0: hi and welcome to boom it's on the blockchain my name is Alistair Pathness, and uh, today we are joined by Shep let me add you to the screen here Shep excellent how are you today Shep I'm doing
1: well Al how about yourself
0: yeah, good, thanks, good. Sorry about the, the intro, everybody. It was um, I was trying to get it to go on Facebook. For some reason, my password is, has to be changed again. Mark Zuckerberg hasn't stolen enough of my data and selling everything to whoever wants to buy it. If you, if you think you're getting tracked, everybody, go on to Facebook. Absolutely, every single little best of a button is sold to some marketing organization, and that's where they can follow up with their tips, For you. So, anyway, good to see you, Shep. Nice to see the old Zion hat that he's got there, everybody. Shep's actually bought himself a, a sewing machine. So, if anyone out there is looking to get a Zion hat made from Shep, You know, they're on sale right now. You know, we can customize it any way you like, ladies and gentlemen. Just send an email into Shep at Zion, and you can get your own customized Zion hat. So excellent then, Shep. So so we're just going to crack on today. Young Garrett's unable to make it today. He's busy doing something else. So let's look at some of the key news stories that I'd like to speak about first of all. So let's have a quick look. Let's bring this into the stream. So this is a story that uh, Shep brought up about Bitcoin miners are flocking to central Washington for cheap electricity. So give us a bit of background behind this story, Shep. Um, well, the
1: background behind this story is the interconnection between the power grid and the power output of the Grand Coulee Dam. And due to the fact of the interconnection at such uh, cheap uh, kilowatt hours uh, per kilowatt hour, um, the Bitcoin mining companies have pretty much blocked to um, Chellen in the area of Washington and Douglas County because they can get the power at such commodity prices of one cent per kilowatt hour that no other state has that kind of power bec- that prices that cheap because your average price per kilowatt hour runs in the range of anywhere from 2.5 cents all the way to 5 cents. So with that all duly noted, and this is basically renewable energy infrastructure that has been in place for almost 70 years off one of the country's largest hydroelectric
0: dams, which the Grand Coulee is. so so that's interesting hydroelectric so for people out there you know we're you know bitcoin mining has been getting a bit of a bad rep obviously because of it's all the power it's uh, using people say it creates as much uh, co2 emissions as argentina but really what it is is the amount of energy that's used to mine bitcoin where that electricity is coming from so it always comes down the unit cost is out there it's the variable cost of the electricity where people can make the most amount of money. So so well that's super interesting from Shep Pete as well, because this is like a hydro dam using this. So if you think of why was Bitcoin mining creating so much CO2 emissions in the past, you know, over 90% of Bitcoin mining was getting done out in China. These were connected to coal plants over the last 18 months has been a big transition to Bitcoin mining in other parts of the world. You know, specifically in the U.S., we've doubled the size of Bitcoin mining that's going on here. And as it's coming to the U.S., we're coming up with these new ideas and how we can push down the variable cost of Bitcoin mining. So renewable energy is obviously one where people can actually, you know, hook up these uh, mining units to essentially wind farms and solar farms. But this is the first one I've seen with hydropower. Now, we've used hydropower in the past for all sorts of generation of electricity, and it creates a huge amount of electricity in the U.S. already. So it's interesting to see that they're now Bitcoin mining right next to the hydro dam itself. And then going forward, I think, um, you know, ideas like this are, are going to just keep taking off. You know back to what our project is in oil and gas and we were talking about the flaring of gas but um and capturing the the excess energy so essentially they're just uh flaring this gas to continue to produce oil and what the oil industry has started to do is is to capture um the flaring of gas, uh, capture the energy and reroute it into the bitcoin mining machines that are sitting next to the pump jacks. So essentially you're able to use that excess energy that's getting wasted right now and this is getting redistributed back into the bitcoin mining machines and therefore um reducing the the cost of bitcoin mining and maximizing profits and this is going to be for multiple things going forward so i think for people to understand out there that you know if nfts cryptocurrencies Everything going forward, we need more and more electricity for the world we're moving into. And everything that we can pull that electricity from, from sort of renewable energy sources, you know, the better it can be. You know, I'm talking about transition in energy. A lot in these podcasts, but I believe we'll transition in energy, not because we're trying to save the planet, not because we're going to uh, go green, but because essentially we're able to capture cheaper energy sources. And as we said in previous podcasts, if we can create renewable energy en masse at less than $9 a barrel bear in mind the price of oil right now is about 105 dollars a barrel if we can produce renewable energy on mass less than nine dollars a barrel then that's us moving out of uh, the oil industry ladies and gentlemen because that's how much it costs to produce oil out in saudi arabia so that's an interesting one to come up with it as well and what other stories were we looking at today then shep um i was also
1: looking at this um Story This was uh, some from some of the past uh, news that was released uh, talking about the blockchain um, technology's impact on the technology sector. Um, We're also positive 89% surveyed executives believing that the next decade of Web3 innovation will define the next hundred years um, for businesses, especially in the infrastructure plays. And uh, Thirty-seven uh, percent are unsure of what the immediate future holds. Particularly um, with the executive order um, outlining the Fed's strategy um, for a re- review of cryptocurrencies, they unanimously feel that Web three development is no different um, than the early years of the internet. The government knows that they have regular have to regulate in order to protect uh, investors. However, they do not want to uh, stifle innovation so they can uh, be a a world leader in this new technology. And especially where the infrastructure of new currencies are uh, taking hold and everything else, especially in the cryptocurrency market and the blockchain sector, likewise as well.
0: So, so for people to really sort of dissect what Shep's t- saying there, you know, they're talking about Web 3.0, Web 2.0, you know, what it, does that actually mean for people out there to try and understand that? So, you know, the Internet's come along. I appreciate it was started by the U.S. Army back in, like, the, the, I think it was the late 70s and the 80s they started to use it. It was the 90s we started to use the Internet. So when the internet came along and then it was the adoption of this technology. So when it first came along, it came along with email. So that's how we all started to use the internet. I did a bit of backpacking back in the day around Australia and into Asia, et cetera when I used to be able to go there there was no cell phones there was no nothing ship you were just basically the only place had uh, there was like one computer per hostel you would get to the next place backpack a week get to your hostel go in there you know send your mother an email telling her what you've been up to or telling her what she wants to hear what you've been up to so that's basically what you were doing you know And, and that's how you kept in touch with people so it wasn't very mobile at all and that's what came along and then suddenly we started using computers for other things you know we started using like the internet for people putting on websites and information and then really from that it's just started to grow and as the essentially the connectivity speed up so you know originally the internet was these dial-ups i don't know if people actually remember it it reminded me of the old sort of zx spectrum commodore computer where you use a tape deck to put it in to play <laughs> your game you know you would go in there and it would beep, That's the noise it made that you would have to listen to this for like two minutes using your phone line to connect to the Internet. And then you were on, you know, until even Ask Jeeves was long. I remember before Ask Jeeves and ask if people say Ask Jeeves, Ask Jeeves was the early uh, before Google, there was Ask Jeeves. You know, you would go and ask Jeeves something, (laughs) it would tell you an answer. So before the search engines, and prior to that, basically, you just had to type things in in the URL bar, and it had to be right, otherwise you wouldn't go through. And you'd sit there, and it would wait for ages, this little timer thing, and then you'd open up someone's website. And that's how we actually started to use the internet. But as the sort of connectivity improved, and then other use cases of the technology started to come along. So what's sort of happening now with the blockchain? You know, it's just like, well, that's, you know, that's all well and good, but that's basically 30 years ago, 1992. Now it's 2022. What's sort of happening this? So so really what the, the blockchain for people is, it's like the, you know, it's the financial structures. It's just like this technology of being able to transfer information, fractionalization, tokenization. It's the financial structures is getting affected by this technology of the blockchain. And then all we're starting to see is use cases. So the first use case of the internet, of the blockchain, was Bitcoin. And it's taken us a long time to start you getting other use cases going forward. So what you're going to find is, you know, every day, once people start to get into the blockchain and start to understand the technology, it's just like every day there's other use cases. And what they're saying is by the time it's 2052, which is 20 years from now, You know, I don't know if we'll still be doing a podcast then, Shep. You never know. You know what I mean? We'll maybe get a few more listeners in those times. I don't know about that, though. But essentially what's happening is it's like, they think the advancing of what's happened to the internet over 30 years, what we'll see in the next 20 years is going to be even going to be greater. This technology is going to change the world in so many ways again, you know? And uh, not only is it starting to affect with banking, but now you've got like the Fed coming out. They're going to do their digital dollar shortly. They, they launched a white paper on that. So, you know, the technology is coming in so fast, people, and we're going to be using it in multiple ways. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's like nobody's missed the boat. It's time to get involved and you know my, my i was reading an interesting statistic the other day that my son phoenix who's seven years old you know 90 percent of the jobs that his class are going to get when they turn 21 plus haven't even been invented yet and people might think well how can that be the case but like you know how many jobs do you have now when back in 1992 didn't exist but because of the internet those jobs exist you know, because of the internet, we're having a podcast, and because this podcast is getting streamed live across the world, then there's going to be people in different parts of the world, you know, not many, maybe Noxie in Qatar, Shane in uh, Inverness, you know, a few other people that might have just stumbled onto it by accident. But ultimately, there's people out there across the world that are able to see what we're talking about today whether they learn anything or not, but this technology is applying for this. So in going forward with the blockchain, there's going to be so many use cases for it as well. And then it comes back to what we're doing in terms of oil and gas tokenization. And it sort of brings us into what I want to speak about. I want to speak about this every single week because this is what we've been doing for the last six years of my life. So let me just bring up the next slide about NFTs just to let people see. So can we bring that in? I wonder why that's not coming up, Shep. So, oh, the Shep's disappeared, but here it is. So, so the NFT market was so hot, but the number of accounts trading have dwindled. Let's see if we bring that back in. There we go. There's me and Shep back together again. So, you know, you're looking at that article there. So what's actually that talking about? Well, you know, the amount of people who are actually buying and selling NFTs, and we're talking about the board ape. There's the board ape that's come up from there as well. You know, the NFT market's getting hot. There's other use cases of NFTs now coming out as well. It stands for non-fungible token. So if you think about that, what does a non-fungible token mean? So if a fungible token is the U.S. dollar, I've got five dollars. shep has got five ones. It's a fungible token. We can swap my what five for his. If I have five singles, and we understand that's a straight swap. With a non-fungible token, we cannot swap it for another non-fungible token unless there's a medium of exchange. And this is where something like these ATSs or Bitcoin or Ethereum, prices these things then use that to be able to swap it but you know what's interesting about what nfts are so essentially this is a piece of digital art so what they have they said is there was over a million accounts actively buying nfts at the start of the year but that's nearly declined by 490,000. you know so i'm continuing to make nfts myself under bitcoin libertarian nfts and obviously that's a good reason why nobody's buying them Maybe because they're not that good anyway, Shape, you know. But ultimately, as it goes through, it's just talking about the market space of this. So a lot of people can't understand why is this piece of digital art being valued at such a high price? Well, like any commodity, if is uh, interested to buy it and there's a mass market to buy it, it's going to drive the price up. But when there's more and more of these types of bored apes and ape art, digital artwork coming out there, Where's the valuation on what that is? So for accountants and people in finance, they find it difficult to understand what is the valuation and why can it be valued at some amount, you know? And then people are starting to see what this technology is coming through. So, you know, what they're saying is that the growth of the NFT market, especially for buying bored apes, et cetera, has completely and utterly reduced. Now let's go to our project itself, right? So an NFST, a non-fungible security token. So this thing's different because essentially it's a security. So it's not just a token itself. So this thing is regulated, but if for people to understand a non-fund, so an energy non-fungible security token financial model, we'll talk through the process again. We talked about it last week. I had some additional questions on this. But really what we're doing is we're essentially rather than back this against a picture of a bored ape that justin bieber spent two million dollars on and the valuation is he thinks it's worth two million dollars and justin Bieber's only going to sell it to snoop dogg at two and a half million dollars and if snoop's willing to buy it for two and a half million dollars well it's like a piece of artwork people are prepared to pay that and that's what the nft valuation is based at but essentially it's a digital piece of artwork so When we're looking to set up these energy NFSTs, non-fungible security tokens, we're actually backing against this against physical assets. So the valuation of this will sort of be against the valuation of the project itself. So whether this is going to be a fund or whether this is going to be set up in terms of a um a single project it really is backed against the oil and gas assets the potential oil and gas production what's the current distributions what's in the reservoir how much is going to produce what the decline curve is going to show and that will give you the valuation of this nfst and the way people are going to acquire interest in nfsts we don't think they're going to be buying and selling these on a, a daily basis You're going to be buying into an NFST, an energy project, and you want to hold on to this energy project for the distributions in the same way you invest into an oil project right now for the distributions itself. So we've set this up that we can create these NFSTs anywhere in the world. They can be set up now for there. We can multiple places. It just doesn't have to be in the US. So if you're sitting on an oil project or you're an oil operator somewhere else in the world and you may be interested in what we can do, we can create this NFST for you. So how does it actually work? Well, the first thing is we take the energy asset itself. So the energy assets loaded into the system and the information is analyzed. So we're working with partners who already analyze information in terms of valuations of oil projects right now. So they'll put on all the assets, they'll put the information on there as well. They'll work out in terms of the distributions, if it's a working interest, what are the costs and what are the monthly profits on this and what the fractional interest is this. So this information is available in the same way if you were going to invest in an oil project right now. This is where things, and that information is recorded in the blockchain, so we can record all that. We brought Garrett in last week, who was speaking about his Energy Funders project. Sorry, Energy Ledger project. So what Garrett does is he tracks the CO2 emissions of these tokens for us. So what we'll be able to do is we'll be able to take your oil project... Uh, we'll be able to drop it into a token. And as it produces oil and energy, we're going to track the carbon emissions down to a granular level, which is interesting, you know, because you're thinking, well, I see these big numbers in terms of CO2 emissions, you know, what's the CO2 emissions US? What's CO2 emissions of um, the UK? What's the CO2 emissions of India? What's CO2 emissions of China? Where's it going to rise? What's the peak points at? This is all like, big numbers that people have to digest and they find it very difficult to what we're doing is we're going to take this into a granular level shape we're going to go in there we're going to basically track the emissions of every single well as the oil comes down the process so we'll track the emissions you know as the oil is produced as it goes into midstream and then it goes to the downstream as well so what is the tracking of the emissions right down to a granular level of this project? So we'll be able to track the carbon for this. And then obviously what's interesting about what uh, Gannett's doing and what he's going to help us going forward is we're going to be able to offset these emissions for the oil production. And we're looking initially at small oil and gas production in the U.S. right now. But we're going to do this for any energy asset. Obviously, things like renewable energy, they're not going to do the emissions. But if we are going to track a coal plant, a nuclear plant, anything out there, we want to track the carbon of this and we want to offset the carbon. But what we want to do is we want to make this data, I call it data, but we'll call it American data. Well, this data, we want to track this So anybody out there who wants to invest in this token will be aware of that. Now, what's interesting about what we're doing with that is it's allowing the family offices who are looking to invest in energy projects. We spoke about this before. You know, in 2018, private equity money and oil and gas production in the US out with the supermajors was over $200 billion. And you were talking about people like BlackRock was funding about 15% of that. BlackRock at the start of the year said they will not invest in any new upstream projects. So they were prepared to invest in midstream, transportation of oil downstream they can still invest in that but you're talking 15 percent of the market space from essentially the biggest player no longer investing in upstream projects but we still need the product we still need the oil we still need to refine this for plastic so how are we going to do this and how are we going to fund it and this is where our project becomes very interesting to the market spaces because now we're saying that okay We still need this product going forward. Until 2030, our consumption is going to keep increasing. Maybe at 2030, it'll start coming down away, And that's just in the US, let alone across the world. So if you start to think more and more about what we're actually doing right now, so we're going to track this carbon on a granular level. But where's this funding going to come from going forward? You know, all the family offices, they want to invest in this upstream project because they want a return for the investment. But they need to ensure that they are complying with legislation. So the Biden administration is making more and more difficult for people to produce oil. So even though the oil price is high, and even though they're releasing more leases, to uh, allow increased production because of legislation going forward, the money's and it makes it difficult for the money to come in there. So if you're running an, uh, a bank that invests in oil and gas projects, you're running a private equity firm, you don't want to be investing in essentially new uh, development of drilling projects, et cetera, because you don't want your capital to be tied up in something that could be hit very hard with legislation going forward. And then you could end up having all that money lost. Or that money is very difficult to get out. So what they're doing is they're all pivoting away from this. But we still need the product. So it's like it's one of these double-edged swords, you know. So it's like, but the crypto community out there. And then, you know, the crypto community is coming in. And we're using a lot of electricity right now. So people say, oh, Bitcoin mining, so bad for the environment. You know, I spoke about this last week. Bitcoin mining is not as bad for the environment as Apple, you know. Bitcoin mining is not as bad an environment for, as Microsoft. So those two companies create some more CO2 emissions than Bitcoin mining. But why is Bitcoin mining getting the bad rap? And why are we not going mad at Apple? Because Apple product is made from coal. Well, uh, you know, I, I didn't know Apple products made from coal. Well, why don't you just go online, look at Foxconn. It's this, oh, we'll blame China. Let's stop blaming China for things. I don't blame China for nothing. They're the world's factory. We're placing the orders when they moved all the factory and the manufacturing from the U S and they did the same, in the UK less. Yes. Let's get rid of the unions. Okay, we got rid of the unions. First thing we do is let's close down all the manufacturing, ship it out to essentially uh, China and other countries whereby they've got lower labor charges, lower regulation, so we can get the product cheaper. Oh, by the way, now we're doing this, we'll actually subcontract the manufacturing to companies like Foxconn, so then we're not liable for any of the CO2 emissions. You know, why is Apple not putting their hand up and saying, oh, by the way, you know, we're a mass polluter of co2 emissions to create apple product they don't they don't do that they don't say that because then people are going to think well wait a minute you know i'm on my iphone you know typing about the climate change and i'm not very happy with the fact that my iphone's been made from coal because this guy alistair and shep said so and boom it's on the blockchain just just research it people it's out there look where fox can't do it And, and then don't blame them they're providing orders. I always get mad about that. You know, well, it's China's fault. They should really stop opening coal factories and stop replacing orders with them for product. All our Amazon stuff, when it says when it's made from China, made from Vietnam, made from other parts of the world out there, made in India, the chances are it's made from coal. So let's not go mad at there as well. It's the brands that are placing the product and we're the customers for the brands. You know what I mean? That's how the whole thing clicks together. So it's like, so when we're talking about this from oil and gas, and everyone, well, well, you're, you're one of the bad guys, you're doing oil and gas. I'm talking about tracking the carbon emissions on this. We're talking about going into the states and working with the people in the states. We've been speaking to people in Illinois right now who actually goes out there and checks the carbon emissions already on oil production. And we're telling him, why don't you use our software? We can just basically track all this in the blockchain for you and track it to a granular level. And then you're looking at sort of companies out there who are family offices think, well, I might invest in this and we're going to offset this carbon. So what we're going to do is we're going to reduce carbon all the way through the process of this oil production. We're going to track it. We're going to give recommendations on how you can reduce the carbon of this. And at the end, we're going to offset it in the same way you offset jumping on an airplane. You know, and you sign your little thing and pay your $25. So, well, I offset my carbon emissions, so I'm okay. This is what we're looking to do with these tokens as well. And then, once people understand this is what the blockchain can do, we can take this information, take it down to a granular level, and track all this. And that's what's amazing with this technology and what we're looking to do. So, coming back to the diagram itself, So we've recorded all that information. We're up to stage three part of the time. And then what happens then? It's the non-fungible token. So when we talk about this, we're taking the capital structures and changing it. We're not changing how the oil business works. We're not changing how the energy business works. We are changing how this is owned. Currently, it is owned by people owning percentages. Right now, you've got to be sort of uber wealthy. You'll need three, four hundred thousand dollars really to start investing in the oil and gas industry. If you were going to invest in upstream projects, you're taking high net risk with fifty thousand dollars per project to put it in there to own small interests in these projects as well. You know, what I've done with our company Zion is we've gone out there and we've got investors who've invested into the company and we've acquired interest. And right now, we have interest in about 90 oil projects and 90 oil wells, and we don't own no own whole oil well we own fractional interests in this and this is our model that we've created so the reason i know so much about this is i've used the company and zion to me is an an oil and gas software or energy software company rather than oil and gas operator yes we're listed as an operator in the state of indiana we had to do this to be able to tokenize the first wells to be able to put these interests on the blockchain so everything i've talked about we've already done You know, it's just a case of now we want to take this, show the industry and get market mass adoption of what's happening. It's not about what Zion owns and it's about what Zion has done. You know, we're the tip of the spear. That's a great way to describe us. We're the tip of the spear and we've burst through this way of operating. So let's go back to where we are in the thing. You know, the equity interest of the NFST will be tokenized. So this is a physical asset it's been broken down to fractional interests. Rather than own it by percentages, this is a new entity that's been created. So when people come to buy into it, they own the token and the token owns the interest in the energy projects. So it doesn't matter who buys and sells into the token. The token always holds the interests. So that allows, opens up the market space. So once it's actually trading on an ATS or crypto exchanges, what's going to happen is people are going to be able to buy into these NFSTs and they'll be able to own a fractional interest. Now, what's the difference is if you own Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, Cardano, etc., you don't get any distributions. This is a security, so it's more like a dividend. So what will happen is as it produces oil and you own this fractional amount of interest, depending on how the token's structured, you'll start to get distributions on a quarterly, six-monthly basis. Depend or annual basis and what it is so you'll want to hold it to get the distributions and what's interesting is you'll get the distributions in bitcoin or ethereum people out there think well i've been investing I, w- I was one of the early adopters of bitcoin made a lot of money from bitcoin i was one of these early adopters from the last slide that started to buy a lot of nfts and be buying and selling nfts so when it comes to these nfsts you know if I'm an early adopter of doing this, I'm buying the token that essentially provides me distributions based on energy production. So the value of this token is based on the asset itself. And rather than only one percent of the project, even with 50,000, now you own 50,000 oil tokens once or energy token one. Now, what will happen is you'll still want to hold on to them as long as possible to get the distributions. The difference this time is that what you'll be able to do is, if you wanted the option to sell this, now right now, if you own 1% of the oil project in Kentucky, you can't sell it. Your money's locked into the life cycle of this project for a 20-year period. So, you know, that, that that's what it is. Yeah, you can maybe try and go to a clearinghouse. You may be able to go out on um, to sell it back to the main operator, but you have no control. It's called a non-op interest. And essentially, you're locked into the life cycle of the project. Through tokenization and non-fungible security tokens, NFSTs, you have the option of liquidity. Now, this option of liquidity is the reason why in 10 years from now, I think every single oil and energy project Will be taking this type of format. Now, they might improve it. You know, we're improving it already because we're creating NFSTs that are going to have a carbon tracking element that's built into the token itself, which is really interesting because people will be able to track the carbon of this as well. Yeah, and I've got this one, and I want to own NFSTST There is because this one is essentially, I'm not saying it creates green oil, but they're offsetting any carbon emissions. They're tracking it all the way through. I can go onto the blockchain, and I can verify this information, which is interesting. And that's just one adaption of what we've actually originally started to speak about. And then going forward, this is what we're going to do more and more of. So that is what an NFST is. So you think an NFT, your board bored ape, bit of digital art back against that this is like it's a security but let's be real let's put it simplistically it's simplistically there we go i can say that word simplistically is it's the same technology but it's backed against physical assets and now if you start thinking about that is well wait a minute what other assets can we do you'll be able to do everything this is the start of tokenization, people. And this will go into absolutely every walk of life. And for the oil and gas industry, it will be massive. And then what you'll find is that the big guys, they'll end up setting up NFSTs for massive oil projects, but they'll do it on permission blockchains. So we, you and I won't be able to invest in it unless they want to provide small bits for public uh, sale. What they'll do is, and this will allow them to, to control the project that way. And that'll help them in so many ways. It's going to save costs. It's going to save legal fees. It's going to allow them to push on mature assets easier to them as well. You know, that way it's going to work. It's just like, that's the process of what's happening. And this is the very start of what it is. Now, yeah, I want to be further ahead than where we are right now in terms of the company and that shit. But, you know, we've got to a point that we've tokenized our first well interests. The token itself just received its 11th distribution. So now we're starting to get small distributions into the token itself and then we're going to scale up what it is. Zion's done a number of things that has been groundbreaking right the way through the process itself. The energy tokens platform is what we're able to create where we can make these tokens on behalf of other operators. So they can come in there or if you're a fund to do that type thing. But it has to have more than the way they're currently doing these things. And I think the carbon tracking aspect of it is another interesting thing for people out there to understand. And that's what we're looking to adopt into this as well. And then these NFSTs, they're going to be able to be tradable on ATSs. And it says SEC regulated ATSs. And that's really the fo- the focus of the, the project itself. And that's me trying to do a difference between the non-fungible token and the non-fungible security token. Sounds pretty good, Shed, doesn't it? Yes. We're getting there, ladies and gentlemen. And it's, you know, it's like everything, you know, Mm. it's a battle. As we go through a process, we're developing this. It's not easy. You know, I get it. It's just like taking time. We've done a number of things. But the good thing about what we're doing is it's making progress right now. And that's great, you know, so we're starting to make more and more progress as the process goes. We're buying more and more interest and well, we're trying to get another deal through this month as well, so that'll be the third one that'll be giving us distributions, but you know, and that'll be in different states. so the model is started to work, and now the scalability process of it's starting to come through, so that's me going over our part of the process itself right now. The thing I wanted to talk about, as we finally did, as our usual end of the show, Shep, is chewing the cud. So today in Chewing the Cud, I was wanting to speak about, let's have a look, and let me bring these two gentlemen in. Oh, sorry, Shep, They did the same thing. Here we go right now. Who, for everyone out there who doesn't know who that is, it's Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, you know. So these guys were basically in the news this week speaking about Bitcoin. You know, I, I wrote down some of the quotes there. Warren Buffett said that he wouldn't spend, you know, obviously the guy's worth over $100 billion, wouldn't spend $25 to own all of Bitcoin because he doesn't believe in it. You know, Munger himself said, in my life, I wrote down his quote specifically, he's 98 actually, you know, you've got to hand it to the guy himself, you know, he's doing a good show of what's actually going on out there. So, you know, he said, Charlie Munger said, in my life, I try and avoid things that are stupid, evil and look bad in comparison to somebody else and Bitcoin does everything. So that was Charlie Munger's quote on that. So he d- tries to avoid things that were evil, you know? So that's not the best, really. But let's have a look of, oh, here we go. Is that there? Is that their quote there as well? Yeah, here we go. And there there's their choice words of what's actually happening out there. And let's have a look. So let's have a look at some of the other stuff these guys have actually been involved in over the years that aren't evil, you know? So they were very slow for the adoption of Apple. You know, if you look at previous press releases, about 10 years before they started investing in Apple. They said that wasn't going to work either. So, you know, they're not right about everything, considering, like, everybody has an Apple product right now, probably them as well. But let's look at this company they invested back in 1992, you know, General Dynamics. So Charlie Munger and Warren acquired 15% of this company back in 1992. Now, I'm not saying defense manufacturers are evil, Shep. I'm just saying that they've made a huge amount of their wealth owning interest in 15% of the fifth largest defense company, manufacturing company in the world. And just for people who don't understand what uh, General Dynamics do, they make nuclear-powered submarines. So anyone who's got a nuclear-powered submarine out there across the world, General Dynamics is one of the key manufacturers for that. So Britain's got a lot of... uh, Um, Nuclear submarines and General Dynamics was a provider of that to us as well. So, you know, Charlie Munger, uh, I avoid things that are stupid and evil. So obviously, you know, uh, he thinks that um, (coughs) nuclear powered submarines aren't evil at all. Well, I don't know if he's right about that one as well. They also provide tanks. Uh, combat vehicles you know so anything that's out there that's used a tank or a combat vehicle and you're going into you know post 9-11 where essentially these guys reaped the benefits and doubled their net worth which essentially helped old Charlie and Warren put a few more coffers into the old company itself as well so you know it's like everything else out there Shep you know he can say, but now in 2013, they sold their shares, by the way, of this, you know, so we can wait and see. But I just, uh, and, and I noticed they've, um, you know, they've also got their own sort of memes out there as well. You know who those guys are? <laughs> <laughs> There, there's, there's Charlie Munger and uh, Warren Buffett the up <laughs> coming out there for the old, uh, you know, AGM this year. You know what I mean? I don't know if anyone's seen the Muppets and that as well. You know, a lot of people think that's Joe Biden and. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Um, Joe Biden and uh, Donald Trump. No, but that I, I would say I don't know which one's which. But you know, they're definitely look a bit more like Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. So that is who I believe those guys are. You know. Bitcoin is here to stay. The fact the Fed are talking about it, the fact that all these banks are talking about it. What's interesting is Coinbase just did the first loan in Bitcoin from Goldman Sachs this week as well. So, you know... If you're basically wanting to listen to Charlie and Warren, you know, sometimes grumpy old men are not the best people to use for new technology, but there's no denying their wealth and the fact that they made a huge amount of money from wars that happened around the world when they were the biggest shareholder in the fifth uh, largest defense company. So that keeps us up to date with what's going on with... chewing the cud. I think that the last thing I want to bring in is my Bitcoin Libertarian NFTs that I'm doing myself for anyone out there. Um, Each week, we'll bring one up. This is BL number 51. I've just released over 100 now, Shep. So anyone out there thinking, you know, maybe I should hold on to one of these NFTs, you know, go check it out. They're available on OpenSea. We're going to have more going live next week. So this one here is, and it's actually from Carrie Fisher who a lot of people out there obviously know are from Star Wars, Princess Leia. And, you know, her great quote was, how can there be so much lingering stigma with regards to mental illness, specifically bipolar disorder? So, you know, as we move forward in the world, you know, mental illness is coming to the forefront. You know, what happened with the pandemic and everyone being shut in re- that led to a lot more uh, problems with mental illness and people being able to deal with this as well. And you know, having a son who's autistic, starting to understand these things as well. I also think it's important for people to put out there. And that's my latest Bitcoin Libertarian NFT. I think the quote from Carrie Fisher that people didn't really understand that she was bipolar herself and she had a lot of struggles with this. And if you, you read any of her books or anything else, she talks about this a lot as well. And I think that's something we've got to to be aware of people and going forward. And then next week we'll, uh, we'll talk a bit more about uh, the, the next uh, Bitcoin libertarian NFTs out there. Excellent. Any other news to report Shep?
1: <clears throat> Not too much other than the pack down in, um, southern colorado they're also interpacing off the san luis hydroelectric dam down there near montrose and alamosa getting more uh, bitcoin mining uh, companies up and going
0: yeah that's that, that's that's great Shep. it's just like it's it's the future people it's um this type of technology is coming the blockchains here i'm obviously a believer in the blockchain and believer in this technology shep's a believer If you want to keep up to date with us, follow us on LinkedIn. That's where we're most active. We're sharing a lot of information through the different channels we've got. We're Approximately about 40,000 people now following us through LinkedIn, through the newsletter and through the pages. So that's interesting as well. So keep up to date with what's going on. If you want to subscribe to Boom It's on the Blockchain, this podcast will be going out through Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, LinkedIn and uh, YouTube. So thanks again for coming on the show today, Shep. We'll look to bring in Dave Rogers and Garrett next week. We'll start to go, you know, I think we want to talk more and more about the carbon tracking process of this for people to understand it. We'll keep you up to date with developments of the company and we'll talk about things that are happening uh, in the blockchain space. So thanks again, Shep. You've been watching Boom It's on the Blockchain. My name's Alistair Caithness. Have a nice day.